Welcome to the United Bias. This week, uh, I'm joined with Ruben Cronier. Hi, Ruben. Hello, Kiran. How are you doing on this chilly uh, winter's day? Very well. Very good. Thank you. I thought we could convene to discuss some of the ongoings in the transfer market. Although quite early, a lot of activity that's taken place so far. Yeah, we're going to have a bit of a first blood session, see who see who's stealing, starting a march on uh, on their competitors already. Uh, pulled their head a little bit in the transfer window already. Yeah, sounds exciting. Um, let's get into it. So I guess let's start alphabetically or, or maybe let's take a step back. I think biggest deal of the season so far, the blockbuster signing is Real Madrid snapping up Bellingham for what seems like a snip, I think, in the region of £110 million, give or take. This is an incredible deal, right? Given some of the other fees that we're going to discuss later, this is a credible piece of business for, at the time, 19-year-old. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a lot of money. I think, I mean, we've already known, I mean, I think back two seasons ago, even people were already realizing that, that he was going to be absolutely hot property and he's kind of demonstrated that ongoing for Dortmund. So look, I think uh, Real have done a great piece of business there. It's not even like the Galacticos era where they were breaking, you know, re- routinely breaking the the transfer records to bring in the big names. Uh, this is actually a pretty smart transfer and they've done actually pretty lot, quite a lot of good business over the last uh, two seasons of sort of bringing in uh, you know, sort of up and coming players at reasonable fees, you know, without having to absolutely break the bank. Um, good on them. I mean, you say it's not a big name per se, historical Galactico established, you know, years gone by, you, you're betting Ronaldo, you're getting whoever is Kaka, Beckham, Kaka, you know, yeah, exactly. just won, whoever just won the Ballon d'Or, yeah. But like football's changed, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, uh, years gone by, you wouldn't be, the big clubs wouldn't be relying on 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, but soconomics has taken over, the analytics has taken over, and so the push to get younger, better players, picking them up before they peak, and maturing with them, you know, the rush has moved. So where years gone by, you were looking at the 27, 28 year olds to come in and just give you their best two or three years. Now the fight is at the bottom. So in many a sense, Bellingham is the big signing. He is the the Galactico, but yeah. it's future-proof Galacticos. Well, I mean, we've seen it really two windows in a row that the, the hottest property has been effectively a 21, 22-ish year old. I mean, Haaland in the previous window, Bellingham in this window. You know, yeah, it's it's gone gone are the days. Well, not gone are the days, but it's there's used to be that your sort of smaller clubs or even maybe call it your Ajaxes, your, uh, you know, clubs that were sort of looking to push the established players, were looking for bargains to pick up at sort of late teens or, or early 20s, developing those players and then selling them off at a profit in order to fund more activity in that way you know um we have seen that historically but i think now the bigger teams have wisened up to that and gone well if i'm paying 70 or 80 million for a player you know once he's already established maybe i can go back a few steps and and pick them up earlier um maybe at a slight discount but uh but certainly it's it's yeah changed definitely the dynamics of who's competing for your hottest uh, you know 19 20 21 year old talent Uh, yeah of course that makes sense, but it's not without risk. We've sure. seen it in years gone by, Golden, the Golden Boy winners. Some of them turn out to be spectacular players, and then others kind of fizzle for whatever reason. And, and I think if you look at Manchester United, there was a time where we seemed to go after those Golden Boy winners. You know, we had Anderson, uh, later on Pogba, Martial, and they've all worked out to varying degrees of success. So you can pay a fortune for a player like, at the time, Martial, who really, you know, petered out and didn't really develop. Or you can go for someone like, 
potentially, you know, Vinicius, who Madrid also signed as a teenager yeah. and is kicked on. So it's, there is, it is, there is risk built into that approach, isn't there? No, there, there definitely is. And sometimes it, it pans out. Uh, yeah, and sometimes not. Uh, you know, it's certainly, I think a club like uh, Real Madrid can probably afford literally just financially to gamble a little bit more. So maybe that is why it has become worth going after that young talent. Because, you know, even if it doesn't work out, you're not in as dire straits as, as a club might be. Uh, you know, we were actually just talking about, well, later we'll be talking about Brighton you know, taking a fairly big financial gamble on a, on a pretty young player. So, you know, I, as I say, I think you're a little bit more insulated as a, as a big club taking those potential gambles. You know, again, from a United perspective, yeah, Marshall didn't work out, uh, but we also spent quite a lot of money on a very young Ahmad Diallo and the jury's still out there. You know, he did obviously look very good uh, one season in the championship uh, for Sunderland, but we don't know if that 30, what, 30 plus million investment is going to pan out. Yeah, just... Final word on, on Bellingham. You know what comes to mind? Uh, he's such a well-rounded player. You know, if you've listened to Roy Keane commentary or just commenting about football a lot of the years, he, he says this is nonsense attacking midfielder, defensive midfielder. Roy Keane <laughs> always says a good player can do everything. You must defend when it's time to defend. You can score goals when it's time to score goals. You contribute. You work hard. And, it, and it's I think it's sometimes easier said than done. But Jude Bellingham is that player. He literally does everything yeah. as midfielders go from the creation side of things, ball carrying, progressive passing, goal scoring, chance creation. And then, of course, the off the ball stuff, hard working, positioning, intercepts. If you look at his FB ref statistics, the guy's a unicorn. He really is. He does everything. Yeah, so, top on every stack. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just overachiever. So I think, I think this guy's destined for the very top along with someone like Pedri. I think the two of them are just outstanding young talents and um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jude Bellingham and or Pedri win a Ballon d'Or in the future. Yeah, a kick camp. Although, I mean, speaking of, yeah, I mean, Barca, you know, I mean, they, they haven't traditionally gone for necessarily the, the youngest talent of late. I mean, uh, you know, if you think of their bigger moves, it's been guys like Suarez, th- that kind of thing. I mean, bizarrely, Coutinho, who was obviously, as, as it pans out, a, a complete overpay. Lewandowski last season. Lewandowski last season for, for big money, you know, tail end of his career. And now they've moved for, for Ilkay Gundogan, you know. So, again, interesting transfer. Uh, I think he'll definitely improve the team in the short run. Um, and I, I think for once, probably a, a loss, you know, a notable loss for City. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see you know, we'll talk about who they've brought in in as his replacement. But I, I think that sort of shows you two slightly different ends of the of the transfer window. And honestly, if I was looking at how do I rate Madrid's move for Bellingham versus Barca moving for, for Gundogan, you know, I mean, damn, that Bellingham move, move looks fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't know. Gundogan is an interesting one. Fantastic player, of course. And someone just coming off a very good season. But... The thing is with Gundogan is he's going to be 33 in a few months' time. Yeah. And Barcelona, already a club with financial issues. And now you're signing someone, presumably not going to be on affordable, really cheap wages, right? Mm. You're bringing this guy for a short-term solution. It seems like poor business in the grand scheme of things. Of course, he's a good player, but I don't think the move makes a lot of sense for them. From City's point of view, yeah, they would have obviously liked to have kept him a season or two. Maybe he retires there some stability at the club, that sort of thing. But I can see getting, you know, if he moves on, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. They have other options and they will replenish. So, yeah, if I'm going to rate the true, true transfers, Bellingham to, to Real Madrid, uh, you know, for that fee, I think, relatively speaking, a paltry fee, given some of the, the sums... Yeah, the level of talent, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. given Coutinho went for, and, and Dumbeles and Continuos, the Neymars, Mbappes, the fees that all these guys went for years gone by, I, I think that this is a, a great deal and a, and a bargain on that side. And I think Gunagan, 
okay. I guess it's okay, but for Barcelona. Yeah, look, I mean, maybe Barca run out of levers to pull, so this is where they're stuck, you know, is, is sort of bringing in a- aging midfielders who had a good season. Yeah, maybe, maybe that is. But I mean, it worked for them in the short term. They won the Liga last season. Yeah. This is kind of a step in a similar direction. Short term fix. Maybe it'll keep them on that path for another season because you are bringing undoubted quality into the center of the park and a winner. But this is going to catch up with them. These aging signings on big wages. They've already sold their future away, 25% essentially of their future TV deals and then the Barca studios. So there's a lot of income that they've front loaded coming up down the line. They're not going to have this income. I'm telling you, Barcelona in trouble. And I don't understand why people keep signing for this club. Right. So first blood uh, in La Liga, definitely Real Madrid. Oh, Real Madrid, clear winners. Clear winners and that midfield. I mean, oh my God. Uh, Chiomeni, Bellingham, Valverde. I love Valverde. Like, it's just... Yeah. You know, and then you've still got the old guard. They're all there. They haven't left, by the way. Tony Cruz, Ballon d'Or yeah, winner, yeah. Uh, Luka Modric. They're just absolutely stacked. So they, they've they've amazingly really t- like. Uh, I mean, I guess we're, we're sort of singing Real Madrid's praises here, but they've done really well at identifying positions where they've got current world class class player and not waiting for him to fall off a cliff, but actually bring in their next world-class replacement at a stage where they can be phased in and you phase out the, the previous player. It's, it's yeah, really, really good transfer moves. Uh, it's, it's insane. And it's kind of scary for the rest of the world football when Real Madrid starts being well-run. I mean, it that's is. that's the reality. Yeah, but I mean, literally, you can phase out Casemiro to Man United. Tumani's right there already as his, as his replacement. Really, I mean, they're looking scary. Yeah, okay. So let's go on to, on to England. And I guess, where to start? Arsenal? Arsenal have made the first move in the transfer window, spending a sizable sum, believed to be between 60 and 70 million pounds, on Kai Havertz. What do you make of the transfer, Ruben? Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced with the, with the Havertz move. I mean, I, I think his issue, probably even up to date, certainly in the Chelsea team that, that he was playing in, is his role is somewhat ill-defined. Uh, you know, Chelsea have struggled for a guy to just be an out-and-out goal scorer for, for the entire of last season. Certainly Havertz is not that role, um, you know, and so it's interesting that that Arsenal have, have moved for a player like that who, uh, you know, you, you do wonder what he's going to, to bring to them creatively. I, I really wonder whose place he's going to take in that team. I, I struggle to see it. Um, that, is it Chaka? You know, do they just completely change it up and, and have Havertz playing as a deeper role? Where does he fit into this team? I... I I'm not convinced for a fairly big money move. That's it. He is a quality player. We know we know he can perform. Um, on the other hand, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, you could say he's he's a definite Arsenal blow hot and cold, <laughs> but might let you down in a big game. Might let you down in a game against uh, small teams too. You know, that's uh, in that sense maybe he's a perfect Arsenal signing. I, I'm a bit higher on the habits to Arsenal than than you are. I I think. I mean, he fits the description of that false nine pos- uh, position perfectly. He's played there successfully, or well, reasonably successfully for, for Chelsea. I think he'll be a great job linking players, uh, you know, bringing those exciting Martinelli's and Saka's into play. When he can, they can alternate between him and Jesus. Um, so there's no drop-off in quality when Jesus is not available like there was last season with Nketiah. So I think from that perspective, perspective it's great. Also, maybe we could see some things where it allows some tactical flexibility, playing two up top, him and Jesus, him off Jesus as the main guy. So I think, I think as a whole, the squad definitely improves. So, I mean, the older argument of how low is your floor in football, as in what are you bringing off the bench when there's yeah. game changes, when there's injuries, he definitely raises the floor of the Arsenal squad. So from that perspective, they're bringing in quality, a very good technical player, and Arsenal definitely get better with the signing. 
Sure, you do have to ask yourself that. I mean, let's picture games against the likes of, of a Liverpool uh, or, or a Man City or any team that's being aggressive in the middle of the park. And now you're, you're lining up, let's say hypothetically, you've got Declan Rice and you've got Havertz and, and it's called maybe Martinelli or something as, as a midfield three, right? Uh, is that not getting overrun very easily, especially, I mean, if Havertz is playing, pushing higher up the pitch, you, you know, they're going to get uh, overrun and, and actually struggle to get on the ball and, and possibly be, be pinned back or, or lack possession, you know? And I, I don't know if that necessarily strengthens them against the top teams, uh, you know, looking at how they would line up. Sure, but I think it's a matter of horses for courses, right? You can play one of them against the bigger teams and then play two of them maybe against the smaller teams where you know you're going to dominate possession and you're going to be sitting against low blocks. So I think as a whole, it does improve them. You could, you know, I think the arguments could be made that maybe you could improve certain other positions, maybe right back, you can get a better right back, mm. whatever the case is. So I think I can see your point or maybe even a better goalkeeper. I do think Ramsdale is really overrated and pretty limited, to be honest. Um, so I think you, if you wanted to improve a starting eleven from that perspective, you'd say, well, maybe not the best signing. But as a whole, I think he's going to play a lot of games and uh, increases the level. So for me, good signing. All right, I, I'm, I, I'm not sort of, the best signing of all time, but look, it probably will improve them as an overall perspective, certainly from a squad perspective. Fair enough. Sticking with Arsenal, and although not confirmed at time of recording, City have announced that it's widely known City have pulled out of the race for Declan Rice, and apparently Arsenal have bid in the region of 100, 105 million pounds for Declan Rice, which uh, at this stage hasn't been accepted yet, but unlikely that anyone else is going to come in and pay that kind of crazy money for Rice. First thoughts on, I mean, firstly, Rice, excellent player. We agree, very good player. Yeah, look, and I mean, it was inevitable. He was going to get his big money move uh, this season. I think the quality was there for everyone to see, not least of which was, was of course, dragging uh, West Ham to, to European silverware. Uh, you know, and, and I think to a huge, huge degree that was, was on Rice uh, for, for that performance. You know, so I, I think it was inevitable that he gets this move. And I think it's very clear Arsenal 100% set out to make him their player of of the window definitely. the marquee signing exactly he was going to be their, their marquee signing yeah i it's it's i'm curious like i mean obviously declan rice is a really good player mm. i like declan rice we've never really seen him in a team a front foot team that dominates the ball so it's almost unfair to criticize that aspect of the game but we don't know what he will do at the highest level playing consistently in a team that dominates the ball we haven't seen that side of him as yet I wonder if you're going to play De- Declan Rice as a single pivot, which it sounds like it's going to going to be yeah. majority of the time. Is he that guy? Is he that guy? Is he? Would you not have rather spent the money on, for example, my favorite Caicedo to fulfill a similar role, younger, probably more mobile and more adept at that pure defensive uh, recovery role, that the Kante role, if you will. Sure. Yeah, I mean, look, as I say again, it, it comes to a question of, you know, what I was talking about just now, which is how they're setting up. If they're setting up with especially a single pivot, they really do run the risk of, of getting outnumbered and outmuscled in the middle of the pitch. You know, I don't know why they necessarily would favor Rice over Caicedo then in that position, uh, you know, other than perhaps you could say, uh, you know, Rice has been established in doing it for a little bit longer. Um, and actually, you know, possibly, I mean, bizarre as it sounds, maybe he was a cheaper deal than, than Caicedo might end up. Uh, might end up being whoever does end up picking him up in this window yeah look I think ultimately Rice makes them a better player whether he's a single pivot double pivot with Xhaka mm. or Partey or whoever whoever it's going to be so, I mean Partey's coming off a good season right um, it's, it's not as if I mean would you have called him a weak 
linking their team, certainly not. Uh, you know, and, and I suppose it's a one that's who he's walking in and replacing, right? Yeah, although Partey did fall off towards the end of last season. He had a very Which good start to the was, season. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So he did fall off. And there's also lots of talk about, you know, some off-the-field matters, uh, accusations and so forth against Partey. Of course, yeah. He, he might not actually be available to play this season. Yeah. So either way, Rice to Arsenal. Good signing, but crazy amount of money. We, oh, yeah. I feel it makes that. me want to fall off my chair. <laughs> Definitely. That's... Uh, I... I I wouldn't want to be in for him for that kind of money, for, for sure. So I want to, I'm going to split this in two. From a deal perspective, I'm going to say, towards the poorer side, if I must be honest. But from a fit, a club need, uh, a player profile, statement signing, excellent signing from Arsenal. Yeah, and I think probably what Arsenal are going to feel quite good about is if the interest from City was real, I think it's actually, maybe Koo is, not, is pushing the point a bit, but I think it's quite interesting that they managed to you know, get the deal over the line, even with City dangling the carrot in front of Rice. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think City were that serious about him. Uh, and I think as soon as the price... City don't tend to overpay for players. I can't really think of a player that they've paid uh, crazy money for, um, you know, in Windows. These days, by. anyway. Yeah. yeah, these days, yeah, these sure. These days, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they obviously always spend a lot, but they don't tend to sort of smash records and, and overpay for players. So, but still uh, a good, good move from them. Definitely a statement signing. I think he was probably just about the hot... Uh, of, of the many English midfielders uh, on sale this window, I think he's probably the hardest property. Yeah, fair enough. So, on to Chelsea. Chelsea have continued their, their splurge from last season with the announcement of Nkunku, while this was rumoured to have been done in January, I believe. Officially announced now. Interesting signing, very good player, coming off a couple of really good seasons in the Bundesliga. But is he the right fit for Chelsea, Ruben? Yeah, and Kunku, I think any team would have been happy to take him. You know, I, I certainly think there's a lot of teams that would have been happy with that signing. What, what gives me slight pause with him in a Chelsea lineup specifically is, and you know, as we were talking about some of the, the, the moves in, in other teams, is that they clearly still haven't had just an outright goal-scoring forward in their lineup for a while now. And it's, and it's been an issue, kind of mirrors Man United to a sense. And, and he still isn't isn't quite that. He's he's uh, sort of somewhere more like a false nine type player. Uh, you know, he's he's not particularly strong in the air, which you might want out of a center forward type role. Um, you know, he's but but that said, he you know he is really good in front of goal. So it's as I said, an interesting move if they had someone that he could play second striker to. And the other issue is though, of course, we know Poch coming in and Poch. Wouldn't ever play with two up front, would he? I don't think. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Poch obviously enjoyed the greatest success in his career with Harry Kane. And there were times with Deli Ali playing off Harry Kane. Now, Chelsea's squad is full of these talented attacking wide players and um, some attacking midfielders. And I think Nkunku fits that bull, right? You can play wide left. You can play him as a number 10 even. You know, let him drift around as a second striker. So... It just makes you wonder, would the signing, you know, the signing take place, in fact, before Pochettino agreed to join? Is he actually good fit for the Pochettino system? Because you've already got Mudrik playing on the left. Presumably, you yeah. want to start Mudrik. He's, you know, 18 million, whatever, pound signing, mm. who, who, you know, and young and therefore the future. So you've got Mudrik on the left. Where does Nkunku play? Or does, you know, is it a case of, well, Pochettino? taking this guy and saying, well, you're going to be a nine. You're not going to be allowed to drift and drop off into space. We need you to hold the line and play as an out-and-out number nine. I mean, you say that, but I mean, if we look at how Harry Kane played, I mean, we do know that. We do know often he, he would 
drop deep, pick up the ball, and, and then bring your sort of attacking other uh, wide players in, you know, some that kind of position. So, so maybe he could play that role. I mean, I think if we did see him used, you're probably right. It would be in a in a pretty dynamic, fluid-looking front three. Probably a lot of you know players switching trading places. Um, you know, so it could you know I mean it could potentially actually look really good. Um, I I do think it remains to be seen. You know, if they're going to have somebody, you know, I mean, if you're not getting a player who's hitting 20 goals in the league, I think you're always going to struggle, certainly to push to win the league. I don't think Chelsea are going to be, be winning it. But, uh, but you know, even to push for top four might look difficult. Yeah, I think the key difference with Harry Kane as well, he's a typical, in many a sense, he's a typical forward as well, right? He's yeah, big, he's both amazingly he's, well, yeah. He's big, he's physical, he's good in the air. All these attributes that Nkunku really doesn't have. Yeah. Poor in the air, not the most physical, you know, in the world. And he does have a lot of these, we call them dribbly boy <laughs> attributes. Yeah, yeah, he likes to carry the ball at yeah. his feet, yeah, whereas Kane yeah, likes to bring in teammates more. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But of course, fantastic player. But I guess similar to the Arsenal sort of scenario with Havertz, doesn't necessarily fulfill a, a position that, an obvious hole in the team, but the squad as a whole improves with the signing of a Kunko. Yeah, it is. I mean, in a way, you could say uh, not quite that he's like for like with habits, but both a slightly ill-defined, not quite a nine, not quite a ten, uh, although with different sort of physical profiles. So uh, yeah, but still, I, I would take him. As I say, I, I would certainly uh, happily have snapped him up, for example, in the United team. Yeah, and then I mean, Chelsea weren't uh, finished there, of course. Um, I. I believe, is it official now with the Nicholas Jackson signing for... I, I think from, Nicholas Jackson's official, yeah. I seem to recall him. I think he is listed on the Premier League uh, transfers already. So that, that would put him there. Yeah, one for the future. Um, although, again, slightly strange. They're, they're kind of putting a, a future, what, what seems to be a, a sort of out-and-out out, uh, forward or, or number nine uh, in that role. It seems to be the role that he plays. You know, decent return for a, a guy for, for Villarreal last, uh, last season. For a pretty young guy, you know, to 21 years of age, um, you know, so I don't think it's a it's a bad move, but it, it still leaves that question open: who's who's going to be that guy banging in 20 league goals? Uh, again, I don't think it's him yet. Yeah, or it could be seen as a, I guess, one of these moves of buying young, buying a lot of these talented guys young, and saying, you know what, we've got a good coach in, we've got a, a young squad in, let's try and win the Premier League in three years' time or whatever when this team matures. So let's see, Nicholas Jackson. Maybe one that'll work out. Yeah, a, a speculative. I'll, I'll be glad for him if it works out. On to, I guess, Liverpool. And Liverpool started early with Alexis McAllister. Interesting signing, World Cup winner, coming to the team. Of course, done very well at Brighton. What are your thoughts on McAllister to Liverpool? So McAllister is, you know, the, the mere fact that he plays for Brighton means, you know, people tend to view the, the sun as shining out of every orifice of theirs. Um, you know, I think he obviously was very likely to move uh, to make a good move this season. You know, uh, I think I mean, Liverpool picked him up for thirty-five mil, which, if I'm not mistaken, is was on a release clause, which is somewhat unusual in the Premier League. You don't tend to see uh, release clauses feature as much. Uh, you know, certainly compared to say like a Spain or even the Italian league. That said, I, I do think a good move overall. We know he brings goals from the middle of the park, which is obviously a really nice thing to have but you do have to ask some questions uh, around you know where, where he finds his place in the lineup again I know I'm, I'm saying that a lot but you know he's he's not actually a particularly creative player so you're bringing someone in to play a 10 role uh, who, who is risk averse as we've seen you know I, I've seen it painted as he doesn't lose the ball a lot which 
yes, is an admirable quality and, and maybe is a nice thing to have if you've got a player like Bruno Fernandes who's, you know, you know, taking a lot of risks and, and losing the ball. Often you maybe want somebody who can control that uh, from that position, you know, as a bit of a foil to that. But I don't think that's what Liverpool are necessarily lacking, you know. So I, I do wonder if... You know, his, his fact that he's, he's not a particularly good, progr- well, he's not a bad progressive passer, but he just doesn't tend to do it a lot. So possibly a good move, certainly at the price will, will improve their squad, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I know the criticism that's been leveled at him is the old crab, <laughs> like the crab spider wheel of passing yeah. and a lot of yeah. sideways passing with McAllister. And, uh, you know, assists not exactly for a number 10 doesn't bring in a lot of assists, doesn't bring a lot of players. Yep, to across the season, I think. Yeah. yeah, because of his risk-averse, not going for the line-breaking passes. Obviously, Klopp sees something in the guy that he wants and he likes, and maybe he wants that steady figure to just tie things together with the, all the, the plethora of attacking talent around them. Just someone to hang on to the ball and you know recycle and get things going. So, yeah, while not a, I guess, a blockbuster signing, fine, rejuvenation of the midfield, a fine young player, youngish player. I think he's 25 this season, so yeah. good age profile, good Premier League experience. Probably Liverpool would be happy. Yeah, and, and we know Liverpool have, have needed to strengthen their, their midfield for a while now. It's it's kind of been the chink in their armour. Although we also know they've had problems at the back. You know, um, they've, they've conceded a lot of goals, conceded a lot on the counter, uh, and I don't think he's strengthening that. I, I don't think he's necessarily a, a Klopp uh, pressing, you know, high press, uh, win the ball up high on the pitch type player either so yeah I mean still decent maybe it's a horses for courses signing again but but still yeah again you, you don't complain at that price and sticking with Liverpool just in the last 24 hours or so it seems to the murmurs seems to be coming out that they are going to trigger Dominic or they've triggered Dominic Savislai's um, release clause which is around 60 million pounds give or take uh, from the Red Bull uh, Leipzig I mean usually uh, one of these usually touted young players you know, analytics uh, guys have loved for years coming out of the Red Bull structures. Interesting signing this one. I, while obviously usually talented, he seems to be one of these jack of all trades who's played all over the show. You know, left wing, right wing, uh, attacking midfield, number 10. He's played as a six. He's played as an eight. He's really played all over the park. You know, one of these real jack of all trades. And he's a lot of really good attacking qualities and metrics that he brings to a team. I'm just curious if this is exactly what Liverpool needed, given, you know, there's just so many good, exciting attacking players from, I mean, of course, Salah is still the king there. And then you've got Fabinho, you've got uh, Gakko, you've got Nunes, you've got Jota. Just so many exciting players that can play wide and up top. Where does Salah's life fit into um, Liverpool? And what is it that they're getting? Yeah, he's, he's, as you say, an interesting profile. He, he does seem to do a, a bit of it all. Uh, to, that, to that end, I mean, maybe you would look back at a player like uh, Wijnaldum, who they've missed for a long time, you know, and maybe he does bring a, a little bit of that kind of profile. You know, he's got, uh, you know, pre- pretty good, uh, pretty active in the middle of the park. Not that I've seen him uh, play a lot, but just sort of looking at, at how he shapes up compared to other Bundesliga players. Uh, you know, I, I think he can do a pretty industrious job in, in the middle of the park. That said, I don't know if he's necessarily, certainly not at this age, yet going to do it uh, significantly better than some of the players that, that Liverpool have there uh, already. I don't see him taking over the role of, say, Fabinho. Uh, you know, we've just spoken about uh, McAllister and asked who he's going to keep out of the team, you know, um, and, and you do kind of wonder, I mean, is it, you know, what if Thiago Alcantara has a, has a injury-free season? I mean, is he not 
looking to occupy you know a similar role to to, to what Zavazlai is playing so you know I'm willing to give it a, a pass because he's still a young player um, you know I, I think he's still a while off his peak and it's not bad to be bringing in a player of that profile uh, you know at, at that age and, and sort of get him you know for a future a good future purchase yeah I'm not sure it's a lot of money for I think Liverpool one thing they don't lack is goals Mm. And what Zavazlai brings is goals and brings players in, assists, goals. That's what he does, right? That's a key yeah. part of his game. And I'm not sure they needed it. Mm. I felt like they could have got a more defensively minded player to, you know, I don't know, go after Caicedo, go after even Mount, go after... It sounds so like many... you're saying we need about four Caicedos that each top <laughs> team pushing for the Champions League yeah. places. Well, easy. I, I keep on bringing him up because he's fantastic and he's available, right? And no one's gone for him yet. Yeah. So... so and teams have well, well he, he's available if you're willing to drain 120 M's out of your bank account. Or, or something like that but again I just see this as an odd signing for Liverpool and while I've been arguing for the other teams about depth you know adding undoubted quality to your squad seldom um, is a bad idea I feel like this is an, a peculiar one and I mean unless Klopp just envisages him as a you know more defense minded player and sees that he has those qualities and wants to change him and really keep him you know further back from the park it seems an odd one to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe maybe for the cost especially, and and he's probably somewhat unproven. I mean, he doesn't have a long track record of, of you know yes. uh, you, you know as you say certainly been you know analytics FC have have definitely had him on their radar, but but yet to be proven. And as we know, you know guys coming in from the from the Bundesliga, you know do, do they always perform? We'll see. Yeah. Okay. On to City, Manchester City. Of course, we've discussed earlier they've lost Gundogan. Hugely uh, influential figure of that particular club, that dressing room. Stalwart captained them to their treble season. And they've replaced him with Matteo Kovacic from Chelsea. So, a few years younger, 29 years old. Uh, just turned 29 in May is Kovacic. As an upgrade, I think a steady, steady replacement. Experienced, won't be overawed by Man City. He's played with better players. You know, he's played at Madrid. He's played at Chelsea. He's played at big clubs. Um... I think it's a reasonable signing. It's not a bad signing. Obviously, I think on balance, given Gundogan's performances last season, which I think was probably actually maybe his best, obviously, in a City shirt. I mean, he's obviously been an important player for them for a long time, but but he really kind of reached his, his zenith in this previous season. So, you know, on balance, I think it's a dip in quality for them. And also the, the part that not worries me because I'm more than happy for City to, to not recruit smartly. But you have to wonder when are they going to start bringing in younger players uh, to, to sort of build towards the future in, the, in that midfield. You know, as we've spoken about, De Bruyne not getting any younger. Okay, Rodri at least is, is sort of, you know, at, at the kind of age you know bracket where he'll still be performing at the top level for a good few years. But, but that said... I don't know if it's an especially good move for them. Um, also, they lose out big time on the goals and assists that Gondokan provided. You know, if you look at Kovacic's stats, certainly last season, um, not putting out this, you know, similar defensive profile to, to Gondokan, but not able to offer as much going forward. So it's fine. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, given, you know, they've got so much quality all over the pitch, I probably don't think it's going to impact their performances. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't also be jumping up and down with excitement either. Yeah, I think steady. I think a steady replacement. Yeah. And I think your point about the, the future, the planning of that squad and that midfield, I think it's a fair assessment. So as a as a as as someone looking on, and if I was in charge of that sort of uh, department, I'd be cu- cautious about that, you know, bringing in another guy on the older side, and that's why I think they tried to maybe go for Rice, younger, much younger player, you know, future-proof you for the next five, six, seven mm. years. And I think I think it 
perhaps the short-termism. This is the sort of thing that where you know dynasties crumble. A few bad, a <laughs> yeah. few bad decisions like this, or a few you know suboptimal decisions, and all of a sudden you have an aging team in a few years' time, and and it's real trouble. So, well, let's see with uh, City. But you know they've proven time and time again that they 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 find ways to to buy themselves or discover. To be fair, uh, good good players at at reasonable prices here and there. So on to Manchester United. Now Manchester United, while not confirmed. As reliable as it comes, Ornstein has reported, and it's largely gone out there, Mason Mount to Manchester United is done. How do you feel about Mount to United, Ruben? Look, I, I think not just me. I think a lot of Man United fans, when the links first got put out there about Mount, you know, we're left scratching our heads. We didn't understand, you know, where uh, where he was going to uh, be playing. We obviously knew our real priority was was it just the outright number nine if not two outright number nines uh, you know he felt like maybe just a, a sort of somewhat worse Bruno Fernandes um, but actually now that and, and maybe this is just because I have, have sort of looked a bit more at, at sort of what he, he could offer potential you know the sort of potential places that he could line up I actually think he could perfectly balance out if we had a midfield start, starting midfield with Casemiro instead of at a six role and then Fernandez actually playing more of an eight than his sort of more common number 10 role but we have seen him be very good at eight this season and then mount as a as a sort of second eight uh, you know so sort of more of a 4-3-3 than the the 4-2-3-1 that Ten Hag has lined up with in the previous season more commonly so uh, you know I, th- I think it's actually a really interesting profile he has both the tactical sort of acuity um, and the sort of uh, intensity and off the ball smarts that Ten Hag would be looking for. We know from a guy like Anthony that he really likes a guy that can can follow the team pressing instructions, and I think he will be really important for leading the press higher up in the pitch. And he then also, you know, he he's not. I think in a Chelsea team, uh, especially a struggling Chelsea team, he probably. Uh, wilted a little bit under the expectation of being a leading uh, creative player. I think with Bruno on the pitch, he does he can be a good second creative player and and kind of take some of the pressure off of Bruno without having a lot of pressure on him. So overall, good signing. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, you can talk about if you think it's a good value signing or not. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a good signing. I think immediately upgrades the starting eleven. And the bench, you know. So we yeah. talk about raising the floor and the ceiling in one signing because bu- presumably you're bumping Ericsson to the bench. And when you have a quality, you know, Ericsson's still a quality player. Sure. Great set piece delivery. He has, when we up against low blocks to bring him on or he can start in those particular games. But Mount offers, as you said, the pressing, the energy, the mobility, um, the discipline, tactical discipline that maybe Ericsson doesn't have. And I think he's a fantastic signing. Now, the criticism... And like the people throwing their toys out, they got United fans being like, oh, we don't have a goalkeeper, we don't have a striker. True, but you're not going to win a Premier League with Christian Eriksen starting in your midfield either. So it's a number... Well, when we did our squad review, we yeah. said that's one of the key areas that we... Yeah, we said needed. we want Eriksen to start a max of maybe 30% of your games. 100%. Yeah. So, so I think for our perspective, we're happy with this. I think the fact that Mason Mount has been signed, a midfield has been signed shows that there will be money available for a striker and a goalkeeper. We're hoping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's obvious. I, it, it is evident to me. So those people who are like all panicking and, you know, the usual hysteria you see on social media, I think it's unfounded. There will be a striker coming in. There will be a goalkeeper coming in. There's no doubt about that. So I think it's a step in the right direction. He's young. He's also English, so it helps the homegrown quotient. He's proven winner. I like the signing. I think all-round 
good signing, not a blockbuster signing in many regards. You know, sometimes it's not what you what you want; it's what you need. And Mason Mount, <laughs> he's the hero be, we need. Yeah. Mason Mount may be the hero we need. So excellent signing for um, Man United. I think uh, on that, I think we've covered a lot of the big signings uh, thus far. I think. Oh, I almost forgot. Tottenham Hotspur made a signing. How, how could you ever forget Spurs? How, how could I forget Spurs? I know they're all the way down in was it was it eighth place, eighth place to see, seventh place Seven, to see. Uh, seventh, uh, seventh uh, yeah, they're not in Europe, right? So. Eighth, eighth, eighth place. Mm. That's why I forgot them. James Madison to Tottenham Hotspur for I believe it is reported around forty million pounds. I tell you what, when I heard the price and the player going to Spurs, immediately I thought, what an exceptional deal. When you're looking at Mount for fifty five. Rice for 100 odd, Habits for 60 odd. Here's James uh, Madison, proven goals and assists every season at a struggling team, eases the burden of Son and Kane, provides another creative spark and another threat to Spurs. Fantastic, right? Round, right tool for the right job, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I, I think um, actually Newcastle were hoping to land him and I think he would have really improved them as well because we know they're incredibly solid at the back. Maybe they need some more creativity up front. As it turns out, Spurs were neither solid at the back nor besides Harry Kane, particularly good going forward. So I think this is undoubtedly a move that will improve them. And then you talk about value. Now, okay, the one thing we didn't discuss with, with Mason Mount is a fee of 55 plus potentially 5 million more in add-ons for an English midfielder with one year left on his contract, uh, 24 years old. Madison, you know, for less money, uh, has over a longer period, I think, had probably better numbers than Mason Mount and probably held back by his team, if anything. You know, I mean, that, that has been a, a Leicester team in decline for around five years now. And yet, if you go back and, and look historically at, at the numbers he's put up, it's been 15 to 20 goals and assists a season for, for a while now. You know, so I, I think, yeah, not, again, not blockbuster signing, somehow, you know, uh, yet they, they found a way to make quite a cheap signing that's going to slot in very well into their team. I also think it's probably a good signing for a Postacoglu team, actually. he We know he likes to deploy his eights that actually move probably forward into sort of wider sort of uh, channels while his fullbacks like to fill the central role. So ironically, even though Madison's been historically a 10, I think he will probably play a, as an eight, but a Postacoglu style eight, which mm. is, I, I think, going to look... Uh, really good. I, I think he could look very, very good in that team. Yeah, I, I, co- I completely agree. I, and I think a very different profile, I'd say to Mount, completely different. So while the prices you can debate, what, you know, which one's better, which one's whatever, they, they're slightly very different. One's a gold machine mm. that his endeavor in life is to come up with goals and assists for his team, is to unlock defenses. And the other, you know, is a bit more rounded, pressing, whatever the case is. Okay, after all these transfers, if you had to pick one, what's the one that you like the most that stands out the most to you if we're rating all of these trances? Oh, it's a tricky one. I okay, if I have to rate it purely on value, if you've just spoken about him, I actually think Madison is, was a really good pickup. Of course you always have the question of is is somebody from a smaller team gonna make it in a team that now has the added performance pressure? We'll see. But I think you know, McAllister looked really good value for, for thirty five million, Madison at forty, I don't think we can Talk about, you know, Rice at 100 plus millions is, is just a crazy sum of money, even if he does elevate your team, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pin it to, to Madison. Yeah, I, I love the Madison shout as well. I think it's a great bit of business for, for Tottenham Hotspur. But just to be a little different, 
and I also do think it's an amazing signing, as I said in the beginning. Even though currently the most expensive signing on the list, Bellingham to Real Madrid at whatever it was, 110, 120 million. I think that's a future Ballon d'Or winner. And Madrid have won the lottery by securing his services. So I'm going to go with Bellingham. And um, yeah, I, I, but I can totally get behind uh, Madison as well. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, Madison, okay, if we're restricted to Premier League teams, Madison, I, I think, yeah, looking at the broader European picture, th- that's just an absolute bargain for a player that we know uh, in Bellingham is going to be a superstar for a long, long time, I think. Okay, and I think that's it for our first blood show. It's been an excellent little venture into unpacking what's been going on in the Premier League. The scary part is there's still six weeks to go in the transfer window, and I'm sure we'll be back with uh, much more. Yeah, looking forward to silly season. Bye-bye.